Hi everyone, and welcome back to Fast Charge, uh, episode 30, if I've got my maths right, which isn't bad going. Uh, I am joined this week by a slightly smaller team than usual, it's just me with Lewis and Toddy. And Lewis is manning the comments on YouTube, so if you chat on there, that's who you'll be talking to. Uh, it is another slightly quiet week in the tech world for one big reason, which is next week is Ether. So everyone who would be announcing anything is just kind of holding off and they're going to do it next week, really. But we have a few little things because a couple companies decided to just ignore that. Uh, the big one is Asus. They have uh, finally revealed the Zenfone 7 and slightly unexpectedly the Zenfone 7 Pro. Uh, that's the kind of, it's both, they both got that cool flippy camera thing that they did last time around with the 6. We're very glad to see that back. I know Lewis was a huge fan. Uh, second up, uh, a smaller company, Fairphone, have revealed the Fairphone 3 Plus. They are an environmentally friendly phone company. So we thought it'd be nice to talk about that and talk about how they are trying to approach environmental friendliness in an industry that is phenomenally bad at it. Like really awful, 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 awful. Uh, and then finally, we are turning to all things Apple and Epic. Uh, we haven't talked about this whole weird legal fight between the two companies yet. But as of today or yesterday, we basically hit the first point where we can see the concrete effect it's going to have on players, which is anyone on an Apple device is not getting the new season. Wap wap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's start with uh, Asus. Actually, before we go, I want to give a little shout out to the one uh, phone announcement from the last week or so that we're not talking about, which is the Moto G9 Play, which is also called the Moto G9, depending on where you are. Yes. Um, this is mostly just because it's, it's not super exciting to me. Um, I also would like to pretend it's a really principled boycott of how awful Motorola have been recently about naming G phones. Um, I object to the fact that we've got the G9 already. It's too soon. Yep. I object to the fact that I don't know if the one we've got is the Play or the regular one. I don't know when we're going to get it. I don't know if, if we get the Play, will we also get a regular one? Will we get a regular G9 that's not the same as the Indian G9? Will we also get a Plus and a Macro and five other G9 phones that will spread out over the next nine months? I've still got a G8 phone that I haven't finished reviewing yet. And the G9 just got announced. So no Motorola, no more. I'm not putting up with it this time. Step up your game. Put all the phones out together. Use the same name everywhere. Be better. Yeah. I think that's about okay. right over the, the past few years, to be honest. But yeah, let's just leave that there. <laughs> right, rant over. Uh, Asus, the Zenfone 7 and the Zenfone 7 Pro. Mm -hmm. uh, we actually also have a mini rant here, which is we are really frustrated because these are not coming to the UK. Which is, I know Lewis, you can see Lewis is fuming at this. Lewis is the biggest Zenfone 6 fan <laughs> I, I have ever known. I didn't know anyone could be so passionate about a phone that I consider fine but a bit gimmicky. Yep. Lewis loves the Zenfone I loved 6. it. I loved it. it yeah, it's that flipping camera module is just so amazing for me. It's a game changer. I, I think it, the main reason is because, you know, traditionally the, the rear facing cameras are where it's at. And the front yeah. case, front-facing cameras are just like, you know, you get a decent experience, but it's not going to be rear, rear camera. And it's always awkward to kind of take a picture of yourself using the rear yeah. camera. So the fact that you can just go, and then have, you know, three, you know, rear cameras on the front. So you've got 4K, you've got 4K video, 60 frames per second. You've got a high-quality camera. You've got an ultra-wide, all that there. And you can see yeah. the preview. I mean, that's, that's a winner in my books. It's a very cool idea. I mean, so just to explain to anyone who's not super familiar... They basically took what people were doing with, with pop-up cameras, where you have a hidden selfie camera that sits inside the body of the phone and slides up, 
And they basically said, as Lewis was kind of describing, like, why use the inferior selfie camera? We could just use a good rear camera setup for this. So they mounted the entire rear camera setup on this flippy module that kind of pivots up from the back into the upright position so that then you have that full set of cameras to take selfies with. Um, so you get your good quality main lens, you get that proper wide angle if you want to take a wide angle selfie. Uh, this, So I think on the six it was two lenses, but yep. this time around there are now three. Yes. So you would also get a telephoto. I'm not sure what you would do with a telephoto selfie. I'm kind. I'm struggling to think of the use case for that one <laughs> in particular. If there's a celebrity behind you and you don't actually want to take a selfie with them. There we go. Quick spying, you know. You'll, the spy camera there we go, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the problem is then you won't be in the shot, or if you are, it'll just be like your <laughs> cheek my, is like this is half my of ear. the frame. That's my ear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's kind of that. But yeah, so that's basically the the key. I used the word gimmick earlier. That's yeah. maybe a bit unfair. It's a cool idea, and it is quite a smart way to get around the the selfie camera problem, and it gives you that full front screen, no mm. notch, no punch hole, no nothing. It's just all display. Yeah. I mean, there's the... something about the motorizing components on phones that just gets geeks oh yeah so excited <laughs> i remember way back when uh my friend borrowed his just to show it off borrowed his dad's clamshell samsung phone <laughs> and brought it to school nice. yes. it had a button where it could flip itself open rather than <laughs> manually opening it and at the time it was like yeah. the craziest thing i mean at the incredible. time that still sounds wild now i mean yeah, yeah it's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah a motorized clamshell that would be wild but then you know um the Oppo Find X, the first Find X, you know, that whole top bit of the phone rose up. That was a yep. pretty big statement of a, of a pop-up camera. And that, again, like, really turned heads. Something about motorizing components on phones seems to really get geeks going. I don't know why. Totally. But I like what, um, it, funnily enough, the, the Zenfone 6 was actually a device that Lewis and I both, we were at the launch in uh, Spain. Was it Spain? Yeah, it was in Valencia, yeah. Yeah, because I was, I was working for my previous employer at the time. Um, uh... <laughs> old news now i'm here you guys tempted me over um and yeah i think we both kind of came away pretty impressed i think it was a bit of a sleeper hit last year to be honest yeah no i was i was so surprised at the lack of coverage they got really and everyone yeah. i showed it to was like wow this is amazing why have i not heard anything about it and i'm like who knows who knows i think they suffered from the fact that the ones before had been a bit unremarkable oh yeah so people maybe went into the six and maybe some publications just didn't even bother to plan to cover it or they put minimal resource in because the five had been okay it was fine but it was a pretty standard um and i think there was a bit of confusion middle, middle with, the, with the uh, the branding as well because i feel like there was an older zenphone 6 at some point because when yeah. i was trying to google it before release yes. <laughs> there was a really random budget phone from kind of 2014 appearing and i was like that's, that's yeah. not the phone that <laughs> i'm uh, looking for <laughs> i think that was the same for the five um, yeah, so the seven people have, have had a bit more attention. There's one thing I still want to talk about on the camera's uh, front. And Lewis, I actually, I, so I never use the six myself, so I, I don't know, in fact, both of you may know, if this if this is new to the seven or not. But I have seen that on the seven, one of the things you can do is actually, it, it doesn't just go into like the main locked into the rear position and then fully vertical. It can go into different angles along the way. Yeah. And you can save preset angles ah. that you like. So you can set shortcuts to open to those specific angles oh, okay. again. Yeah, that, that's new. So you've always been able to adjust the angle, which I thought okay. was another fun part of the Zenfone 6 as well. But yeah, you never had presets before. So that sounds really interesting. Yeah. yeah so good. I think that the best use case I saw someone saying is basically you can set the camera up to be perpendicular or at an angle sort of just around that. 
and then lay it down on the floor for like pet photos or like that, that oh, video of sure. your like pet running towards you or whatever. Things like that that you would never normally be able to get your camera quite at the right position off the floor. Um, you could actually just lay this down with the cameras sitting up. Uh, the, right the more we're talking about like this, that. the more it makes me want the Zenfone 7. <laughs> like, I'm just like, why can't I have it? I don't know what we did wrong. Asus, like, please tell us. Like, we'll be better because we're not the getting UK the wrong phone either. Yeah. Yeah. To clarify, it's not just like us at Tech. No. <laughs> the UK and the US markets aren't getting this phone, but it is coming to Europe. Yeah, um, it's coming to Ireland. We could get a yeah. ferry and and go. If you're in Northern Ireland, you could just walk over the border and go to a shop and then Do you walk know what? back. I actually but... have a cousin in Ireland, so we've <laughs> we got this one. sorted. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what we did wrong. The one feature I actually did thought was quite interesting with the the six, and I'm sure in Jaws on the seven was how it it lets you take panoramas. Yes, um, oh, yeah. because obviously, like you usually like grab your phone and you rotate your whole body. And that has issues with uh-huh. just kind of like trying to keep it stable and, and centered and obviously things moving. Um, because it has full control in that full range of motion on that motor, you just press a button and it just captures it as you hold your phone still. Uh, so it's a super stable, that's super, super stable. Swings around. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. And it's a similar uh, thing with um, tracking subjects in videos as well. So you've got like a special, tra- a special tracking mode for fast moving objects like kids and dogs and whatever else. So if they run out of shot and it's a, an angle that the camera can track it, it will just flip out and carry on filming nice yeah. i'm just hopeful that the camera quality is better because i think that it was fine on yeah. the six um but it wasn't quite there um the camera specs generally seem pretty good they're uh, strong so, I, I think it's just asus yeah. it's, it's the software side it's the yeah you know the, the color science and whatever algorithms they've got running it all oh yeah um because yeah i think i'm looking it's 64 meg main sensor 12 meg ultra wide and then 8 meg telephoto with three ton zoom mm-hmm. um and that is the same in maybe it's a good, good, good point to talk about the differences between the pro and the regular because yeah. yeah, they're a little many, which is not nice. yeah and the ones that they are are a little odd in some ways so <laughs> the cameras are the same except that on the pro you get optical image stabilization ois on the main lens of the telephoto yeah whereas on the regular one there's no ois at all um, so that's like an odd differentiator to get, but it kind of makes sense. I just haven't seen it very often as a way of distinguishing them, just putting OIS in. Um, otherwise, processor, so it's the Snapdragon 865 Plus in the Pro and the regular 865 in the regular one, um, which it, for me would not be enough of a reason to pump up the extra cash for the for the Pro. Yeah, no. And otherwise it's just more storage, right? 128 gigs versus 256 gigs. Yeah, and there's a 6 gig model for the regular 7, whereas the Pro only ever comes with 8 gigs. Yeah. That's like the only other thing. I'm pretty sure everything else, even the Dime, I'm not sure, like, Aces sometimes gets, like, the specs on its site, doesn't, like, update them properly. <laughs> it literally says the same weight and dimensions for both phones. I can't imagine that adding OIS doesn't add weight to two of those cameras. But yeah. <laughs> I guess it, it must be such a all the same because yeah. of the mechanism though. It's 230 grams, True. which is quite heavy, mm. generally yeah. speaking. Especially for something that's only only six point <laughs> six seven inch display. Like yeah. that's a big phone, but it's not a big, big phone. Smaller than a Galaxy so, S20 screen, for example. S20 Plus, sorry. S20 Plus, yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, breaking two hundred grams comfortably for a phone of that size, it is gonna feel like dense yeah. when you hold it. Uh, one thing you mentioned, Lewis, was four K sixty FPS video. This can actually also do 8K at 30, which mm. means it's the only phone you could do selfie videos yeah. at 8K 30 on right now, which is <laughs> yeah. kind of That's a cool, cool. weird claim yeah. in this age of vlogging and TikTok and 
live yeah. streaming and such. So I mean, if, if, if it's anything like the, the 8K from the Samsung, it's not going to be great anyway. Let's no, be that's, that's, that's the exact <laughs> caveat I was about to give. I haven't yet. The uh, Snapdragon 865 can support 8K, but I haven't yet found the phone that actually does it any justice and makes it at all worth using. There's no point. <laughs> we, uh, Toddy and I, once we filmed an unboxing of the S20 and the S20 Plus, and we mm. shot the whole thing on an S20 Ultra trying to do the 8K to see what would come out of it. And, oh, it was terrible. And how often did it overheat? <laughs> <laughs> it was more like it glitched. Like there would be like yeah. visual issues, all oh. sorts of things. Because that's, that's exactly what you want when you're recording video. Yeah, yeah perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, so 8K is not there yet. Don't believe the hype. But I think probably next year's phones will get better 8K, I hope. Yeah. But I think it's just, you know, the Snapdragon could support it. So people started putting it in because they can say it does 8K. But I mean, even if even if you could do great 8K, who actually needs that? Yeah, no, exactly. I haven't got an 8K TV. <laughs> I've just about got a 4K. It's a slow down. I haven't got enough money for another TV. <laughs> uh, otherwise, specs wise, this thing is a pretty standard sort of flagship for the year. Um, yeah. It's 90 hertz display, it's AMOLED, you've got uh, 5G, obviously, because everything has to have 5G. Uh, 30 watt fast charging, so, you know, nippy, but not blazing. Um, I think the thing that interests me, actually, is the software side. I'm kind of curious to play around with that, because I think I used to really dislike Zen UI, and it's been getting better every iteration. Yeah, yeah. 6 was good. But yeah. I think partly, and this is what it kind of looks like, I think it's getting better because they're kind of just retreating back to stock a bit and paring yeah. it down. And it looks like that's even more the case this time around. The, fo the footage I've seen of people using it, it looks very close to stock now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the only real things you're going to notice are the custom camera controls uh, when you're using because that's one of the fun yeah. things about the flipping module is that you can use it in third-party apps. Uh, you can control the, mm, the angle right. via a shortcut in the bottom corner. Well, that, that right. was the case with the 6 anyway, and I'm assuming it's going to be the case with the 7 it as well. It would be weird to take that away. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, so, about price? I was about to say, so they've only actually announced the Taiwanese pricing, is yeah. that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did like a direct conversion on the site about what that would actually equate to. So obviously, if they were to launch here, like theoretically, they'd definitely cost more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like for like, I don't think it's too bad. No, so it's um, reading off what you've done here, it's... Mm. £569 or $750 for the regular one, going up to £700 and $950 for the Pro. I think that's a lot for the Pro. Yeah. Yeah. You get. yeah 100%. I think that Pro jump is, especially again, if you factor in that there's going to be an extra, you know, the converted, the real price if it came out of the S would be more than that, like breaking $1,000 for that phone. Yeah. It's pretty steep. I mean, that, the half the I'm reason I sure. like the Zen Phone 6 so much is because it was so budget friendly. Yeah. It was last a good year. affordable phone. Yeah. And flagship, yeah. I should say. What was it? It was five hundred pounds in the UK. Yeah. Four nine 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 nine. That was a beautiful price, mm. which is great. Whereas you, you know, this one I can't see. I couldn't imagine it being any cheaper than six hundred and fifty. No, yeah, something like that. Seven hundred. Well, I mean, the the plus is that if it isn't actually coming out here, you can get a direct conversion from some of these sites if they ship internationally. Uh, yeah, there, there'll there'll be loads of places you can get one imported if you are keen. But yeah, if you're if you're in anywhere in Europe, you're basically fine. It's just the US and the UK, really. I don't know about India and all the other big markets, but I'm guessing it would come out there. But I'm not, I don't really know how Asus approaches India, whether they bother or not. Such a competitive space. Um, 
Yeah, we're we're doing our best to get one in. <laughs> Asus don't send us one because it's not coming out here, but we are trying every avenue we have to get a Zen Phone Seven because otherwise, like Lewis would just be so sad. Twenty twenty's been rough please. enough. I just need <laughs> a Zen Phone. That's all I need. <laughs> the icing on the cake. This has been what's been dragging him through the last six months. <laughs> you know, it's okay. Uh, flippy just, camera. <laughs> I'm gonna get the Zen Phone Seven at some point. Nope. <laughs> nope. No such luck. Uh, okay, so I think that's probably enough on the Zenfone 7. Um, I think we can probably move then from one interesting camera module to another very interesting camera module, but in a very, very different way. <laughs> yes. So the uh, Fairphone 3 Plus launched today, this morning, which is very helpful timing for us. We love when people announce things on the same day as the show. It makes it look like we're very timely and good at covering news. Oh, yes. Uh, Toddy, you watched, I, I sort of have read a bit about this, but you, you watch the event and you, you know what's going on with the Fairphone much better than I do. Yeah, if you're not familiar with the company, as you kind of mentioned at the head of the show, yeah, they are kind of an ethical smartphone maker and there aren't really any others at all. Um, the idea being that, you know, it's not just uh, the materials that go into the phone, but also the whole kind of production line, the whole... Um, supply chain right back to sourcing the base like metals that go into the components Fairphone is trying to address that entire thing Hmm. Um, their third generation phone launched last year end of uh, kind of second half anyway of of, uh, 2019 actually I think it was they said it was the same day so they announced it this day last year Um, they don't release a phone every year typically Uh, I think the Fairphone 2 to the Fairphone 3 was at least two years um, so it was kind of odd when they yeah. were like, oh yeah, we've got a launch now, you know, just one year on from our last phone. It kind of, if you think about it, sort of goes against the idea of an ethical company trying yeah. to like not use our materials excessively. Mm. Um, but what they've actually done is they've made the Fairphone 3, they've taken the Fairphone 3 and made it even greener and also given it a tiny spec bump, but not like a conventional spec bump, not like OnePlus 7 to 7T. Um, it's more, you know, there's just a couple of uh, better cameras on there. Um, and the main thing is actually that the materials, the plastic it uses is, is far more recycled. So the Fairphone 3 was 9% recycled plastic. This one, thanks to various things in the phone, is now 40%. So it's a huge improvement there. Oh, yeah, that's a big jump. Yeah, yeah nice. it's huge. And they've also improved, um, they were talking about the Cobalt Alliance or something or other, which is in the piece on the site. Basically, they've, they've improved the conditions for Cobalt miners and gold miners in Uganda um and yeah the, the the plastic is kind of that that goes right down to the component level so the hook of all of the fairphone devices is that they're modular you can swap out components as they either you know if the battery starts to give up the ghost or you break the screen but also occasionally they'll do what they've done here and let you swap out the camera for a better one so you can actually take the cameras that come pre-fixed in the fairphone 3 plus and put them in the fairphone 3 so you actually have the same camera across both devices so that's kind of a hook there is this modularity. That's mm. one of the things that the company's been pushing time and again for both replacements, but also upgrades. <laughs> and, and given that that is the big spec bump this time around, that does yeah. essentially mean if you are on the three and you do decide to buy this camera module, you basically have then the full three plus experience almost from a from a performance perspective. Um, you're obviously not getting the more ethical sort of the extra recycled plastics, but then you're not generating new demand for plastic by buying a whole new phone. Um, it's a great thing to see. I love to see companies trying to push this way. I I do worry, you know, how much of an impact one small company can have. And the problem is because no one else is doing it, it just makes them insanely uncompetitive. If you are someone who's approaching it from a specs perspective, 
you know the the kind of specs you'll be getting for your money are just they're not bad but then just never going to compete with what you can get elsewhere yeah i think the the challenge there which you're seeing the progression of that in the automotive industry more like with electric vehicles more and more mm-hmm. manufacturers are now taking that seriously and pushing you know having hybrids or electrics in their range yeah um until other smartphone makers kind of make rivals to the fairphone they're going to have a tough time like you say competing or just kind of existing um so far that's partly why they are relatively small um mm. they're available in europe but then you know they had people today on their live stream asking when are you coming to japan when are you coming to america and i think until they can scale and re- retain their sustainability they can't really get much bigger um they did however say that their fairphone 3 samples they had a target of like forty-two thousand, and they smashed that and then now just over ninety thousand. um but these are relatively speaking if you're looking at the mobile industry tiny numbers yeah. of unit sales yeah. um so yeah it's it's interesting to hear what they're doing and i think it's important that you know awareness for a company like that is raised because i think they're doing good stuff but yeah in the grander stage of the smartphone market it's wholly tough for them to compete against you know just consumers who are used to getting an upgrade every year or looking at the new phones at least every year exactly. and seeing what they bring to the table it's something I really, I do actually sort of ethically struggle with a bit doing this job that I Absolutely. worry we encourage people to swap phones too often and mm-hmm. have helped create this this business model where companies feel the need you know, to, to put out new phones constantly. I mean, we're, we're years, it's been years since anyone other than basically Apple and Google has done the annual um, flagship upgrade. Mm-hmm. Now, most of the big players will do um, a new upgrade every every half a year. Yeah. Obviously, they don't expect consumers to upgrade every half a year, but that tick of saying there's a new better one makes you feel that, begin to feel that pressure. Mm-hmm. I think that pushes people towards the annual upgrade rather than the upgrade every two years. Um, and if you look down at the lower end of the market or the mid-range of budget stuff, it's even more ruthless. You know, companies are... You know, oh, we yeah. made the joke about Motorola earlier, but, you know, companies are churning out budget and mid-range phones, you know, several a month in some cases like realme is just throwing phones oh, out yeah. into the world um honor used to do the same obviously they've slowed down a bit in the west at least given the current situation but i imagine in china they're still got the same sort of relentless pace of releases um and there are a lot of companies out there where they're pulling out new devices at least once a month i mean it's yeah. an angle that doesn't really sh- talk about this aspect but actually is probably quite a good advocate in mainstream tech is uh video game consoles yeah uh, obviously like you know, Sony, you know, they had the PS4, then they had the PS4 Pro and the PS4 Lite, whatever. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, like these consoles are out for three or four years before a successor or even just an upgraded version comes along, yeah. which yeah. in tech terms is is practically unheard of anywhere else in consumer so tech. Yeah. So yeah, they go to show just how much performance you can get out of optimization. Like they show the benefits. Yeah, 100%. Uh, one of the challenges that Fairphone's facing is... The processor they're using, the Snapdragon 632, they've just got the Android 10 update, but there mm. will be a point where the software won't actually be compliant with the hardware anymore. And yeah. they're hoping that, you know, they, they were spouting figures um, kind of under, under the assumption that their kinds of consumers would be using their phones for at least five years to seven years. Whereas most, you know, most people expect to maybe have a phone for 18 months to yeah. two and a half years, I think was the average that they spouted. So, yeah, it's a very specific subset of people, I think, who would be happy using a Fairphone device right now 
for yeah. as long as Fairphone expects them to. It also shows how challenging that business model is for them because yeah. let's take them at their word and say people, you know, the Fairphone user keeps their phone for five to seven years. That means whoever bought the first Fairphone mm-hmm. is maybe now thinking about an upgrade. So every one they've released since then, they have to attract a new audience each time because their existing customers weren't ready to upgrade yet, which is just, I mean, such a challenge for any brand, especially a small one and a growing one to say every time around, the people who bought our last one, none of them are going to buy this one because it doesn't fit. The reasons they bought that phone don't line up with them. But even, you know, even on a two-year upgrade cycle, that the, they're clearly looking at it as those people would still think, I'll, I'll use my phone for longer than two years. Yeah, and the other thing right now, obviously, is there's a huge technological shift in 5g yeah people are asking about 5g and the chipset isn't equipped for 5g they can't just slap in a, a modem module that's <laughs> not an option so uh, i wonder whether that's gonna you know depending on on i guess pressure from the user base um whether that will hurry along the fairphone 4 sooner than they were originally planning be interesting <laughs> to see and also what chipset hopefully by then we're going to have more and more affordable 5g phones and that could be one of them yeah, I mean, we know Qualcomm, I can't remember which number it was, but they did announce a 5G 6 series a couple of months back. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, this this phone is using, a, the Fairphone uses a Snapdragon 632. Um, but yeah, so there is now going to be a 5G capable 6 series processor, which is not the lowest tier Snap, uh, that Qualcomm does, but it's sort of getting down into the bottom end. You know, there's the 8 series flagship, 7 series mid-range, 6 series lower mid-range is maybe the fair way to describe it. Um, so that you know, next time around there will be a 5G capable one for them to use if they wanted to. Though I do think there are still enough 5G skeptics, and oh, in a sure. lot of the world there's still just terrible 5G access. So I think they yeah. can still get away with another year or two of not being 5G. Again, for their user base, yeah, they might be sure. able to to swing it in a way that they um, any other brand would struggle. Yeah, I think you know Motorola did kind of try modular in the past mm-hmm. with the the Z series. And uh, I think in Brazil they had they tested that during the Aria concept. Was it called the Aria? It sounds familiar, but I can't think of what it is. Yeah, they did a test for it, but it never really went anywhere. Mm. Um, I think yeah, like I said earlier, until the bigger players mm-hmm. take a look at this kind of model, I don't think we're going to see see it yeah. as a concept no. take off. Well, you Google know. spent a while looking at one, didn't they? And then they yeah. they just gave up on it. They just never put anything out. They they were very public that they were looking at it and put out slick teasers of the modular phone they were going to make and then just went, oh, no, this doesn't work. Uh, no, thank you. Yeah, no, <laughs> um, I do want to get to the point, though, where you can go to, like, you know, like Curry's or something like that and be like, you know, I just want to upgrade my camera and just go yeah. and buy a new camera yeah. module and just whack that in. And that seems like a smart, you know, future for me. It's a funny space because, obviously, that's where desktop PCs are and have been mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, All-in-ones less so laptops less so and even yeah. laptops have some limited upgradability but it's getting less and less popular for manufacturers to even let you swap out the ram and the and the hard drive they're often sold it in so you just don't get a choice doing an apple um yeah <laughs> then we've seen people push try and push back alienware did it's uh, hmm? was it the, the really really modular one it's the area 51m was that that's it? it that's it yeah. the area the anywhere area 51m big gaming laptops if you don't follow gaming laptops fair enough but it, it was, this was one of those computers that cost you like four grand or something and weighs as much as your house oh, but it was but, nice but it was portable <laughs> but it was modular and part of the piece was it was modular like the core components were modular you could in theory swap them out which for laptops is almost unheard of um and then by the time they released the second gen version 
they said, oh yeah, the new components for this don't work with the first gen. And it was like, great, you couldn't even last one year with your modular concept working. You had the next generation and already were like, oh no, sorry, it's moved on too fast. This stuff won't work in the last one. Ruined it. Absolutely ruined it. Just a mess. But I think not for environmental or ethical reasons, but I think the industry will have to begin moving a bit this way just for economic reasons, which is always what's going to push the industry around. Because we've obviously seen this year recession we are in recession pretty much every country is in recession um and phones for various reasons have been one of the bigger hit things there was i think the numbers came out this week that the global phone industry sales have dropped by 20 percent. i think that must be the last quarter but i'm not certain but that's huge you know on a a global level that is tens of millions of phones not being sold that Mm -hmm. would have been sold before and can't sell a 1200 pound phone like it just the, the the base isn't there like no this, exactly this exactly what this shows and yet companies are, are being weirdly slow to react i think yeah so a it might like cut the legs out of the that ultra premium market that we've only seen appear basically a year ago yeah you know the last 12 months is when these sort of one and a half grand phones have started popping up and now they've surely the companies making them are going to have to look and say wait does this i mean don't get me wrong i feel like that's probably for the better anyway because who wants to pay a grand and a half for a phone (laughs) like what i I actually think there is enough of an audience what people who have a lot more money than me is the audience i'm picturing (laughs) Uh, but you know i i think there's a market for these things i think they're a niche proposition i think what will happen is they'll keep getting made but consciously as a niche proposition mm-hmm. you know like it's it's the luxury version yeah i don't want it to be the main version of the phone that you have to pay you know 1500 pound yeah. for i want to have a sub thousand pound version that i can actually afford yeah even that a sub thousand pound for a phone is just like oh, yeah. it's still a lot i'm um, showing my age now <laughs> <laughs> but i think more than anything this is going to have to slow companies down and just how often they push out upgrades yeah. how much they promote them because as we said People, some people upgrade their phones every year. I think probably the average is going to be sitting around a year and a half, two years. Um, and I think we're basically just going to see that drop back down again. And that's been a trend over the last few years very slowly. And I think this year is just going to accelerate it. That now people are going to be looking at three years for a phone, maybe four years. And it's, you know, if people aren't upgrading as often, people aren't buying as many phones, companies are just going to start making fewer ones. Or they're going to start making, figuring out that maybe you can push people to upgrade bits of it. Yeah. and pay a bit more every year instead of paying a lot more for a whole new device every year. Well, the, another strategy that, just to that point, that um, I wrote about this week from Vodafone is that they're basically they're letting consumers upgrade to the new iPhone, for example, every year. Yes. Um, but you are basically halfway through your 24-month contract just starting a new contract. So you don't have to pay mm. off the old one, but then they are keeping you in a two-month a two-year cycle which is an interesting way of kind of handling it so that the consumer still feels like they're getting mm-hmm. a new thing all the time. Um, it's no good for environmental like reasons that only no. feeds the beast in the opposite direction. But do, do they take the phone back? Do they keep the original it, phone then? Or yeah, does that stay a, yours? It's a trade-in situation. Yeah, yeah. So you have mm-hmm. to hand your old phone back. Um, that at least helps because yeah. that is presumably going to get refurbished and, yeah. and sold on as long as you haven't completely smashed it to pieces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Which helps a bit. I think it's also worth flagging. People often think, um, well, it's fine because when you're done with a phone, you just recycle it. And I know one of the things that caught my eye in the Fairphone thing was just them saying that actually like, it's something like less than 5% of materials in the average smartphone can be recycled or something. Yeah, and there was an, a brilliant spec as well about there's more gold in a ton of e-waste than there is in a ton of gold or rock, like a rock. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. But 
we're really bad at recycling. We're bad at getting it out. That's not a secret, but it's still something we haven't really addressed. So in a, in a perverse way, the people upgrading annually are almost better because those phones <laughs> might get sold again to someone else, used again. Yeah. Whereas actually when you're getting rid of your five-year-old phone, that thing's no going one wants to waste. It. That's, yeah. that's, that's done for forever. Um, though I guess the one-year ones get done for forever eventually. But yeah, um, I, I I hope Fairphone keep on going because I love this. I You know, if, if I was actually buying phones rather than getting snowed under in review samples Mm -hmm. i would absolutely consider something like this because i think especially these days when one of the recurring things for me in reviews especially budget and mid-range devices is generally speaking this is all the power you need you know yes it's only a 600 series chip but for the average user that's fine you can like check your email and play youtube and make a phone call you're probably okay if you want to play fortnite and we'll get to that maybe it won't be what you need but (laughs) for basically everything else you're gonna be all right (laughs) Um, and I, th- I think more people should be looking at stuff like this and not be looking at Galaxy Note 20 Ultras. So I think people have been put off a little bit from, you know, the past, well, not even the few last few years, but, you know, early days of smartphone when the, the budget and the mid-range phones were really slow and basically yes. unusable. But that, yeah, I haven't found that to be the case for at least three years. Yeah, they used to be terrible, but not anymore. With a few exceptions every now and then, you oh, review yeah. one and you go, oh, I can wait. You, you drag yourself through a week of using it as your phone because it's just awful. Um, but we do make do our best to flag those ones to people to say, do not buy this one because Stay you can away. still you can spend 100, 150 pounds somewhere else and get a, a great phone, honestly. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right. So uh, throwaway mention of Fortnite earlier, which feels like a good excuse to move on to everything that's going wrong with Fortnite right now. And so I guess... Yeah, I, I guess let's sort of do a summary and brief of what's happened so far, because we haven't spoken about it at all on the show, and I guess not everyone's going to be aware. So, um, Fortnite is obviously the huge, maybe maybe the biggest game in the world right now, certainly it has been a lot of the time over the past couple of years, one of the biggest games in the world. Uh, it's developed and published by a company called Epic. They have long had this grievance against the mobile app stores about the idea that they take 30% of all the in-app transactions. So part of the way Epic makes its money is selling skins, like costumes, selling extra unlockables, little, I guess, weapons, characters, that kind of thing. I don't play a lot of Fortnite, sorry. Um, <laughs> so they're selling little bits to players. You can get into the, the base game for, is it free? Yeah. Is it free yeah. to play? Yeah. You can get to the base game for free, but then you're going to keep paying again and again for little bits. If you, and you've got the you battle pass sort of and stuff in. like that as well that you, yeah. you pay out for. So paying will often get you more fun stuff. Um, which obviously a lot of people are going to put the money down for. If you are selling that through someone who's playing the game through the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, Google and Apple take 30% of every sale they make. Epic doesn't like this for obvious reasons, um, but they have actually, you know, more than that, tried to make a principled argument that that it's wrong and that it's, you know, stifling competition and things like that. They decided to put their money where their mouth is uh, a couple of weeks ago yeah. and went in, in sort of this sort of brazen display, went and announced that they'd added, a, they'd cut prices on all in-app purchases. They'd then put in a new payment option that was direct to them at the new lower rate while leaving in the original option to buy through Apple or Google at the older price, i.e. paying more. It was a mm-hmm. 20% difference rather than 30%. But still... They sort of basically said to all their all their users, "Hey, look, buy straight from us. You'll save a load of money." Um, 
Predictably, Apple and Google immediately said, well, no, that's against our terms of use. I'm kind of amazed they were able to push the update through, that it wasn't sort of caught before that, but I guess that's not how they monitor updates. So that got pushed live. Within the day, uh, it disappeared off both app stores. Uh, and then within half an hour or something of that happening, they had a lawsuit, lawsuits ready to go against mm-hmm. both Google and Apple. So and they also the whole had the 1984 was... parody video to go live as well. Yeah, 1984 yeah. Fortnite. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Very good name. So yeah, they had this NAF in in-game event playing this video parodying Apple's iconic 1984 ad, uh, 1984 night, and basically suggesting Apple was you know a, a dictator and all of this stuff. Um, it's worth saying a lot of the coverage is, the discussion has been about Apple and Epic, and even the headline of this video I think yeah. says that. But Google is sort of quietly basically going through the exact same process with them. They've just been a they put out fewer statements than Apple have about it, and they've made a few. They haven't made all the same plays Apple has, which has garnered them a bit less attention. But Google was taking the same cut. Google also took them off the Play Store. Google is also in the midst of a lawsuit with Epic, so it is still going on on that side as well. Part of the difference is that if you're on Android, you can still get the game. Yeah, um, it was actually originally available on Android, not through the Play Store, um, because again, Epic wanted to avoid that thirty percent cut. So you can still get it through Epic's own launcher, which you can sideload. You can get it through the Samsung app store if you're on a Samsung phone. There are other ways to get Fortnite on an Android device. There are no other ways to get it on an iPhone, which is kind of the sticking point for Epic. Um, Apple does not allow any devices that aren't through the app store. And so they basically say it's this like your money or your life thing where Apple says, give us 30% or you don't get to access iPhone users, um, which they say is anti-competitive and all this kind of stuff. You can kind of see where they're coming from. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I'm actually sympathetic. I, I, yeah. I, my, my, I'm not sure exactly where I stand on this, but I broadly side with Epic. I yeah. think. I think that's I don't, a, that's where I'm going for as well. I don't love the way Epic's handled it. No, it's been very immature uh, and attention grabbing, mm-hmm. and I think that is actually, if you look at the latest legal thing, that has backfired on them a little bit already, yeah. and I think it's going to keep making things harder for them actually as they go through the courts. Um, so. On that, basically, what's happened was um, Apple removed Epic's right to use its Apple development tools for iPhones, iPads, and for Macs. Uh, that is for Fortnite, but the bigger problem is Epic also made the Unreal Engine, which underpins so many games. <laughs> it's kind of hard to, like, you know, yeah. you could probably get quicker list of the games that aren't made through Unreal Engine than the ones that are. Uh, so, this is a huge deal that they couldn't access the development tool. Um, they then sort of filed the you know, next bit of the lawsuit going after Apple for that. And we got the legal judgment the other day, which basically uh, a court in the US said, okay, they can't stop you from accessing your Unreal Engine development tools because that hurts too many other companies. Yeah. Um, basically, every other app developer, well, not every app developer, loads of app developers, loads of game developers would get caught in the crossfire. And, and that's not fair. Uniformly went, Whew. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was as well, thinking, oh, all the games yeah. that I play on my phone, I'm like, no, what am I going to do? I have to exactly. go to Android. <laughs> uh, and then, well, but what the court didn't do is let them get access to those tools for Fortnite specifically. So Epic can still not develop anything to do with Fortnite on an Apple device, uh, including Macs. Even though you could install it on your Mac through Epic's launcher, you still can't install anything on a Mac that hasn't been notarized by Apple, which means you still couldn't actually get access to any updates and this was a few days ago and then we basically finally see that come properly into effect which is the new Fortnite season is about to start it's marvel themed there's going to be superheroes all <laughs> over the place all this Galactus cool stuff 
<laughs> exactly. Sounds great. But if you are playing Fortnite on an iPhone, an iPad, or on your Mac, you will not see this update. You won't nope. get the new season. You won't get the new content, the new characters, whatever changes they make to the map, weapons they add, anything like that. None of that will be on your version of the game. And you won't be able to continue playing either. Once the new season starts, that's the end cutoff for the current season. What I've seen is that they will be able to play. Oh, okay. But what is happening is there'll be no cross-play. So basically, right. if you're okay. on an Apple device, you're about to be sandboxed. The game as it is will freeze. It will still be there, and it will be just as it has been, but nothing new. Mm. And because there's nothing new, you now can't play with anyone who's on anyone else. a PC yeah. or a console or uh, an Android device. And if Stadia players know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> but this is going to be the, the sticking point now because, you know, when it was, oh, you, you know, for the last week or two, you haven't been able to install it on your iPhone, but anyone who cares about Fortnite probably already has it installed, mm -hmm. so they're not too stressed mm -hmm. about that. But now you're saying to all the current players, well, that's it, you can't. The game is, like, static forever. And I think so much of Fortnite's appeal has been that it keeps changing. Yeah, It's constantly being refreshed and changed and updated and tweaked. And that's what's let it stay the biggest game in the world for so much longer than anything else before has done that. It's never gone stale. And it is about to get very stale for app users. I wonder how much, I don't know, I haven't seen any figures on the proportion of Fortnite players who are iOS-based or macOS-based mm. versus mm. the overall player base. It would be interesting to know just how much of an effect, at least within the realm of Fortnite, specifically for Epic, this has. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure either. I don't know how big of a chunk of their base this is. Um, enough for them to wade through some very expensive lawsuits for. Yeah. So it, it must be sizable interesting that in epic's original lawsuit they weren't asking for any money not like a damages no. to it at all it was really more to force apple's hand or at least highlight the monopoly aspect of yeah. their kind of app store setup um and what's um as i said they've partly been stung by their own the way they've handled this things like putting in the in-app purchases and the silly 1984 night thing because they are now partly claiming the damages. Oh, they're not asking for damages, but they're saying, you know, we have been hurt by Apple's decision to put us off the App Store and pull our development rights. And one of the things the court said the other day is, well, you, you can't really claim that you've been hurt if you're the one who, you did it to yourself. Yeah. It's like, it's, <laughs> you know, it's a stop yeah. punching yourself kind of thing. They like, they did this stunt that they knew would lead Apple to like then hit them hard in return. And now they're saying, look, we've been so penalized. Apple's hurting our business so much. And it's like, well, yeah, but... Because you agreed to terms, yeah. and then you purposely violate those terms so that they would punish you for doing it, and then you could say, look, they're punishing me, it's not fair. And I wonder if they would have been better off if they just stayed in the App Store, but uh, started filing the lawsuit. Yeah, I, I guess they wanted to... I, I don't think they would have got the same level of media attention. It would have still oh, been no. news, yeah, no. but I don't think it would have been as, as uh, juicy news, if you yep. will. Um, I mean, it was like, a great spectacle, wasn't it? Like yeah, when it was happening, I was like, "This is exciting! Like, what the hell is going to happen?" If I was one of the like Fortnite animators working on 1984 Night, I would have been so <laughs> excited because it's a, it's a brilliant, I think, piece of content just for the concept of it. Like, you know, not only bringing a video game into kind of general, more kind of real world media, as it were, but also the whole kind of flipping the concept of the original ad on its head. I think yeah. that is great, and I have you know props for them for doing that. Um, but yeah, obviously. It's very short-term gains, the, oh, totally. those two moves of, of bringing that extra payment option in and, and producing this video. So then, I couldn't find any numbers on the amount of people that play Fortnite on iOS, but I did find a stat that says that Fortnite reached 100 million iOS downloads within five months of release, and that was like a couple of years ago. 
So Silly I feel like it's really. pretty, yeah. a pretty that's big base. Even if a lot of those are not active anymore, as, as yeah. they won't be, that's still there's still going to be a huge amount left. Oh yeah. Um, the I guess I was just thinking kind of what you were saying, Tony, about about how they wouldn't have gotten the coverage if they hadn't been so big and Im, I don't know, immature, silly about it. Yeah. It makes me wonder if actually they're not really trying to win in the courts, and what they're maybe banking on is. Public Apple support. giving in because Apple doesn't want to be the bad guy. And maybe if there's enough of a sway of public support in favor of Epic, and if the court of public opinion decides that Apple and Google are villains in all this, that maybe one of those companies will decide the PR alone makes it worth amending their policies somehow. Yeah, bad news can be good news, depending on on who you are in that story. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, I just checked on Twitch. It's usually the top if not the second most like viewed game on twitch think... and sure enough under just chatting it is yeah it's, for, it's for uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think when when something huge breaks through like fall guys or whatever it breaks over fortnite and then fortnite kind of yeah it's the one that then once, the, once the hype for that game dies down <laughs> fortnite's still there ready to Fortnite's be the new the top, line, yeah. the old top thing um the other thing we should probably talk about is the fact that actually quite a few other companies have already waded out in support of Epic in yeah. this. Um, and actually, they got very lucky with their timing, or very smart with their timing, it's hard to say which, around Microsoft. Because Microsoft is probably the biggest name that's come out and said they're on Epic's side of this. Mm-hmm. And that's because Microsoft has just gone through essentially the exact same thing with Apple over the uh, Project X Cloud streaming stuff, mm-hmm. um, which is trying to bundle in with Game Pass Ultimate, and it's going to be an Android exclusive because they have tried to put it out on iOS and they basically hit this point where the nature of Apple's app store terms around in-app purchases and accessing other storefronts mean that they just right now can't put xCloud onto iOS. It just wouldn't work. The way they built it means it won't function on iOS. Mm-hmm. So Microsoft has just felt the sting of, of Apple's terms and conditions. And uh, so it's definitely a good thing for Epic that they get to have someone as big as that come out and also say, yeah, like, Apple are bad here. Um, especially a company that very famously went through its own at, like antitrust lawsuits several over the years and has usually come out on the wrong side of them. Um, Microsoft used to be the people like in that position of being the dominant figure forcing people to do things its way. It's gotten better as it's kind of lost market dominance in some ways. And it's interesting to see it now looking at Apple and saying, like, you know, come on, guys, be better. <laughs> you yeah. actually just reminded me of a couple of things. Uh, Shadow, the PC gaming cloud yeah. accessible PC gaming client, they actually had their iOS apps pulled a couple of months back. I think mm-hmm. it was maybe a little bit longer now. Yeah. And um, because it had a, a, a store launcher element to it, which they've since removed. Right. Um, because of the same kind of, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, I noticed that right now, as a Stadia player, I'm aware that. Um, the Stadia app that's on iOS, you can buy games through that app and it doesn't cost any more than buying them from anywhere else. But I think that's because right now you can't play games through the Stadia app on an iOS device. Yeah. I wonder if they would have to change that if they actually allowed games to be played through iOS devices through their app. I think the streaming the streaming services are basically being hit by two things at once. Um so I'm guessing Google gave in, and, and they probably are giving Apple a 30% cut of those maybe. Stadia purchases, maybe. Yeah. The issue with these streaming ones is both the in-app purchases and also Apple has um, a, a restriction about accessing other, um, basically re- using it for remote access to a, to a device. And it says software can only be used for remote access if the user 
owns the device that they're accessing. Mm-hmm. So they, they are accessing a specific device that they use. So that's why you could have an app that lets you remote access your work PC or something. I mean, it's, it's um, definitely nothing to do with the rumor that Apple's working on its own game streaming service. It's going to be, uh, you know, what on you the market. Arcade? <laughs> what but, but, so that's how Shadow got around it. That's how Shadow works is because with Shadow, you are renting a specific computer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you do that, you are accessing a specific piece of hardware in a server room somewhere that, that basically yours. is close enough for Apple to say, yeah, that, that, that yeah. fits. They, People at Shadow made a very good like rules lawyering thing of clearly setting it up so it would just fit in the terms of the App Store guidelines and Apple couldn't complain. Uh, Google and Microsoft have no such thing. They're just like, yeah, you're connecting to a server farm. Like yeah. you're, you're connected to an anonymous server will pair you to the right one at the right time. Whereas Shadow says, no, you've got your box. You go to that box every time, which is how they can then fit the terms. Um, that's fine That's in the scale now, but if a company like Shadow wants to scale and have then, like, they yep. would probably want to allow users to access, you know, if I was in the US and I'm still reaching back to Paris for my computer, that's no good yeah, uh, for latency, especially if I was using it for gaming. So, you know, even if it's not an issue for companies like Shadow now, this same rule set could definitely impact businesses like them going forward if they want to expand. I think yep. it's, just, it's just a bit problematic, isn't it? Because there's going to come a point where these streaming services are very popular. And if you can't get them on an iPhone, some people are just going to go, well, I'm not going to buy an iPhone yeah, then, absolutely. am I? Oh, totally. I'm just going to get an Android. Like, what's the, yeah. what's the point? Fortnite is a big enough thing that if it goes long enough with no Fortnite, every Fortnite player who's <laughs> wanting a new phone for Christmas is not going to be asking for the next iPhone, right? Yeah, exactly, they're yeah. going to be looking and they're going to be saying, well, I think that's kind of I what go to Epic's, Android next. Epic's waiting for as well, uh, in yeah. a way. Because I feel like once Apple starts feeling that, pinch of maybe people not buying their phones as much because they're not getting Fortnite, that they'll be like, okay, maybe we can readjust. You know, not get rid of the 30%, maybe just drop it down to 20. Yeah. You know. It's almost like Apple's just so far hoped that no one's really noticed or willing to question them. Yeah. Yeah. And only a company as big as Epic or Equivalent could really do it and it have yeah. enough of an impact. I mean, Spotify took them on a couple of years ago, didn't they? Because um, yeah. of all the rules around, yeah, trying to get a Spotify subscription via the app without... You know, yep. having to pay I, up all their thirty percent. I think Spotify, one of the companies that put something out recently, yeah. I might be wrong, but I think they are. Um, there was also something around WordPress. WordPress yes. were kicking up a fuss. Oh, yeah. They said that they were actually forced to put in-app transactions into their app. They had an app with no in-app transactions, and they were basically told by Apple that because they also sold things, they had to add in in-app transactions. It was basically the idea that someone using the app might find out that there are other WordPress pr- products you can buy. <sighs> And then leave the app to go buy those products. That is and outrageous. so because of that, they had to put links to buy those products into the app and give Apple their 30%. And they were no. basically told, you can't no. update your app unless you add in these in-app purchases, uh, which is just mind-blowing. Um, to, to the point on a game streaming service, if Apple does produce one, then it really isn't going to make them look good. No, exactly. Like, yeah. If you rewind to two years ago, that was, I think, I mean, Apple, Apple Music's been around for a little while now, but it, it was a bit kind of uncomfortable, I can imagine, uh, for their legal team when they're like saying, yep, Spotify can't charge in-app, but, you know, we're going to not worry about this 30% charge that we charge them and sell you take Apple Music for less. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, weirdly convenient, almost, it would say. And then you've also got all the other benefits of having Apple Music over Spotify on, on an iPhone because you've got all that kind of the integration on another yeah. level compared to Spotify. Yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely something fishy going on there. I feel like Spotify have got an argument. Well, that's the fundamental difference, I think, between especially in the mobile space, Android and iOS, because it is kind of to a degree more democratised on the Android side. Yeah. Because, I you think... know, it's an open source thing that they just add on the place that Google bits on top. Yeah. yeah. 
and and yeah, I, I, at least outside of China, probably ninety nine percent of app downloads and installs are through the Play Store, right? Yeah. I'm sure it's something like that. Um, but you can go elsewhere. You know, if you have a Samsung phone, you can go into the Samsung Galaxy Store and get stuff through there. Mm-hmm. You can sideload stuff relatively easy if you know enough about what you're doing and how to find the APKs. Um, most phone manufacturers have their own app store with some stuff in it. They're usually a bit rubbish, but they're there. There are options there. So if someone really doesn't want to put their app in the Play Store, as Epic didn't initially with Fortnite, they can just put it out on the phones anyway. They'll never get the same market share, but at least they have the option. Um, so that's kind of part of their complaint there that's separate to the 30% thing. And that's really the space where I think Apple would feel the pressure is the idea that it's it hitting up against their walled garden thing, you know, where they're like, you can only get stuff on, on an iPhone through Apple. Uh, and of course, what's funny is that isn't the case on Mac, or at least it's not, doesn't seem that way to the user. Like I said, anything installed on the Mac has to be noted by Apple. So they are still gatekeeping a fair bit, but at least it's less visible gatekeeping and there are more options. You don't have to be in the Mac app store and things like that. Um, the limits they are placing on iPhone, I think that's fine for users when they still feel like they're getting everything. Yeah. The moment users start not getting everything, and then every company that they would say, hey, why don't you have an iOS app? They say, oh, it's Apple's fault. Suddenly, you know, iPhones don't look so great, and mm-hmm. there's more and more competition in the market. iPhones are still, obviously, it's still huge, enormous sales figures, but they're not as dominant as they were. Um, <clears throat> and you could imagine that beginning to slide away. Yeah. Those bad sales we talked about earlier actually meant that Huawei is still in like the number two spot despite all of its troubles with the US. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> funny. Yeah, I think both Samsung and Apple suffered more than Huawei did, right? Yeah. Huawei did very well out of everyone else uh, suffering, which I guess means the Chinese market was less hit than yeah. other countries. That would be my default read on that without digging into it. But yeah, um, I feel like this story is going to keep moving really fast because there's been a development every day or two over the past two weeks. Um, at least for now, I think I think it's going to move really, really quickly until it gets into the proper like legalese lawsuit court stuff, and then it's just mm-hmm. going to slow down to a. Yeah, I think they've got another court months. hearing at the end of September where they're going to make another ruling, uh, and then I think there's another one about another month or so after that as well planned. Yeah. Tune into Fast Charge in October where Epic buys Apple. <laughs> <laughs> one of them's going to buy the other. <laughs> yeah, that is the one thing that is worth flagging in all this. I think it's very easy to position this as Epic the underdog against Apple the giant conglomerate. Underdog. Epic, Epic is the underdog. They are the smaller of the two companies. Mm. But they're a really big company. <laughs> they Goliath are huge. Goliath's little brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, like, it is this whole thing of, like, if people like to pick sides and be like, oh, who's in the right? And, and oh, should we support the little plucky company sticking it to Apple finally? But it's like, no, these are two huge conglomerates in a war with each other over who gets that 30% of your money. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't be, don't pick favorites too much. Uh, it is that kind of, um, uh, I can't remember which film had this tagline, but it's the whoever wins, we lose. I think it's Alien vs. Predator. It's Alien nice. vs. Predator. <laughs> Whoever wins, we lose. Like whatever that comes out of this, it's flick. probably worse for the consumer, and it's clearly worse for the consumer right now while they're in the midst of this fight. Because yeah. if you're a Fortnite player on any Apple platform, you are getting hurt by this, and you're getting hurt in a in a way worse than anyone else's. Mm-hmm. All right, that is us for this week. Thank you to everyone who's been watching and listening. If you're on the audio version, we will be back next week. Of course, next week is Efa, so we will be same time, same place, but. It's just going to be an EFA special. All we're going to talk about is EFA. Whatever gets announced Ooh. next week, we have a few little ideas, a few things we've been told. We're not allowed to tell you yet. 
some good stuff. But yes, there's going to be a lot of news next week. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. See you later, guys. <laughs>